Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. So there are a lot of Bay Area musicians that we love to praise, right? We got Mac Dre. We got Santana. Green Day. They've helped establish what the Bay Area's identity is. A lot of these musicians, though, became famous years ago. Not Mike Marshall. Mike Marshall had to wait decades to feel recognized for his voice. And it took two movies that take place around the Bay Area to make that happen. I'm Devin Kadiyama. Welcome to the Bay. Mike Marshall is an R&B singer from Berkeley with one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my life. Chloe Veltman covers art and culture for KQED. It's a very long career because he's um, 53 years old. So he's and he had his very first hit when he was right out of high school. A song called "Rumors" back in 1986. That was huge. Mike Marshall has this really beautiful voice. How did he develop that voice? Well, he started singing very young. He had a musical talent and he was growing up in the East Bay in the church. And his mother, who was a, very much a believer, would take Mike, who was the oldest of four siblings, to church. And he was singing in the choir. Yeah, mom was a singer at church and she sang in the choir. So uh, as we got older, she formed a little singing group with us for like the holidays, Easter and Sunday kind of thing. And then as we got older, we joined the youth choir and then uh, moved to the uh, adult choir. He grew up in the East Bay. He did. He he was in junior high when he started doing these student talent shows. Um, And at first he was singing gospel songs. And apparently those songs didn't go down very well. He tells me that the students were throwing things at him. Oh, come on. Really? (laughs) (laughs) So cruel. So, yeah, they were throwing stuff at me. They didn't. They some of them might even knew the gospel song, but they weren't expecting it at school. And then the other ones probably didn't even know it. He sang a song by James Ingram called Fine 100 Ways, and that was a huge hit. Instant hit. People were suddenly like, ooh, who's this Mike Marshall? Compliment what she does. But he, he then went to Laney College and he was studying a lot of music there. And uh, that was where he started playing brass instruments. He was learning the piano. And he got together with a friend, Marcus Thompson. They formed Timex Social Club. They had this huge hit right out the gate in 1986 called Rumours. Can you tell me why Rumours was such a big hit? 
It was very, very catchy. How do rumors get started? It started by the jealous people And they get massive something they had And somebody else is holding You know, it had this nice little hook And also, I think it captured the spirit of the moment And then off the back of that uh, This guy called Jay King Offered them a 10 record deal he takes us to Starlight Studios in Richmond, 12-hour uh, uh, lockouts for two days. So we're in there for 12 hours. And so this international song gets, gets out there, and they get offered this deal. Did they take the deal? They didn't take the deal. This is what happened. One day we're at the house, uh, and he comes over and he brings a contract. And one thing about me and my friends in that mixologist group of DJs hanging out, we read all the, 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 the stories about how artists were being tr- treated. Prince was complaining. Michael Jackson was complaining. So in our minds, contracts weren't something we wanted to do. We didn't, that's all we knew. We didn't know the intricacies about it or none of that. So when he brought the contract and it said it was for 10 years, we balked at that. Mike Marshall felt at that age very strongly that he didn't want to be committed to a 10 record deal and be controlled by, you know, essentially one company that could take a lot of the power from him. The decision by Mike Marshall to reject the contract with Jay King was one of the biggest turning points in his musical career. What happens next is kind of a matter of debate. Mike Marshall says that after turning down the deal, the record label continued to profit off his ideas without his consent. So this is the, the first major turning point in his career where Mike Marshall starts to feel like the world is against him and things spiral out of control because he really doesn't feel he's getting his due. So he starts taking drugs. It started in 86, right around the time of uh, rumors coming out. It was overwhelming. Uh, it was time for me to get out in the world as a man. My mom wasn't, she wasn't, she was, what's the best way to say this? She wasn't woke in any sense. She All she knew about was the church, and that's what our whole life encompassed. But outside of the church's four walls, there's a whole world that I have to navigate, and I was not prepared. So I'm bumping my head, skinning my knees at every turn. And what happens after he starts taking drugs? Like, how mu- how far did he fall, and how far away from the music that he loved to do did he go? He finds himself with a really bad crack cocaine habit. He's really, really low. The circle that I was with, who I was getting high with, they seemed like they were able to stop. You know, if we got high on a Saturday, they were able to not get high again until we went back out to do that a week or two weeks down the road. Me, I'm craving it every day. So I was feeling that I was less than. Maybe I wasn't as strong as these guys, which is what I'm thinking my whole life is, right? They're all athletic. I struggle with that. They all can get the girls. I struggle with that. So it's a self-esteem issue. Even though Mike was going through some really rough times, he was still making music. In 1995, the song I Got Five on it was released. It's kind of crazy to me that he was able to make a hit song in the middle of being basically at his at his lowest. And it speaks to this idea of like how transcendent his voice can be. Mm-hmm. 
there's a sweetness to the voice uh, in that hook and I got five on it that you know doesn't give anything away about what he was going through all the, the, the terrible dark place he was in in his own life. Well, at the same time, even though he, like he's coming out with this this song that goes all over the place, I got five on it. You still don't really know who Mike Marshall is at this time. No, I'm one of the continuing refrains um, throughout his career. In fact, you hear it in this song. He's, he has a song called "Who Is He," and it's about the fact that he has this great voice. He's doing all this work. People know some of these songs. He has, you know, two, three hits that everyone is singing. Everybody knows me, they just don't know who I am. So when do things change for him? When did he start to get better? And then when does he kind of start to get recognized? Around about 2004, he starts to get clean. He reconnects with his old uh, high school sweetheart, April. Oh, no way. Yeah, and they have a very beautiful relationship. She um, has been a great supporter of him through thick and thin, it seems. And um, so she helped him a lot, and especially with regards to getting his business affairs in order, because for a long time he wasn't um, getting paid, essentially, for the part that he played in some of these songs. So they straightened out a lot of paperwork and and started making sure that that things were as they should be in terms of... um, getting paid, getting dues, getting rights. So not only was he not getting really recognized in the public sphere, but he also wasn't necessarily getting recognized financially for the work he exactly was doing. Exactly so. That's, yeah, that's what he says. So it's Christmas Day, and there's uh, the Warriors are playing the Lakers. So I'm thinking of going to town to watch it in the bar. But the phone is just blowing up so many messages. I'm like, what the hell is all this? So then I... I interact with somebody, I can't remember who it was, but they're like, have you seen the commercial? I was like, what commercial? Man, they just played a commercial during the halftime of the Warriors game from some movie called Us. I was like, no, I didn't see it. Well, what's going on? Man, it's your voice is in it. What does I Got Five on it mean? It's about drugs. It's not about drugs. It's a dope song. Don't do drugs. Get in rhythm. So now my hair is up on my back because every now and then you'll hear my voice on something and I'm wondering, how did they get that? Who gave him that kind of thing? So I thought this was one of those kind of things. But I was like, in a movie? Did Mike Marshall feel like this was another moment where he felt like people were capitalizing on his voice and his music? Absolutely. Um, He saw that there was this commercial being broadcast, this huge moment on TV. And he realizes it's a big deal because it's a movie. But he was pissed uh, because he thinks, oh, here we go again. The same old routine. People are taking my my art, they're taking my voice, they're taking my talent, and they're profiting off it. And they didn't even bother to tell me. At the same time, Mike was getting more attention. His voice was also featured in a song in the movie The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which was released just this year. Hey, hey, yeah. He takes this song that I think most of us at this point, especially those people of the Bay Area, um, people who know the song well, who live here, who are really tired of it. It's this tired old (laughs) chestnut, you know, it's this old hippie anthem that most of us are like, ugh, you know, ugh, enough already. And he makes it into something that is very new, that is um, tinged with, with sadness. If you're going to sadness, 
I think also because of the relationship with the movie, it's hard right. to kind of think of the song independently, but because of what the movie talks about in terms of, in fact, the wilting of this hippie flower dying and just like an entire African-American culture in this part of the world uh, that is not able to exist here now because of gentrification, right? So that's what the film is about. And you hear this um, story basically in the voice that, that yeah. Mike Marshall brings and the stylings, the the little curlicue things he does with his voice and a very, very new, unique approach to the song. Gentle people Gentle people there Gentle people Will be Because they're featuring his music, does he benefit in any way from from that being on such a high-profile movie? Well, yeah, he does. Um, Between these two releases that happened this summer, these two big movies, Us and The Last Black Man in San Francisco, which both feature his musical talents, now he is really, his career is starting to come into focus in a way that maybe it hasn't done before. You know, he has now more of a solid business uh, understanding he has systems in place where he can get more recognition where he can make some money he has someone looking out for him april his wife so um you know as a result of of, of us and, and last black man things are i think starting to change for him does he feel like us and the last black man in san francisco which at least here in the bay area were huge hits does he feel like those movies have propelled him to a place that he always wanted to be? I think he feels like he's on the right track. I have three or four worldwide hits, and I still can't get a job. Can't get nobody to call me back. I'm only getting this attention right now because of both of these movies. He's getting opportunities um, now as a result of them. Uh, Ellen DeGeneres has picked up. Uh, I got five on it for her show. I think there's an amusement park that's also using that song. He's doing more <laughs> gigs, more live appearances. I mean, you had a, like two and a half hour conversation with him. Mm. When you think about the things that were most striking to you at the end of that and like his journey, what what's your takeaway? Well, I think for me personally, being somebody who's a, I'm somewhat obsessed with a human voice, I feel f- very strongly Um, that this voice that he has is an incredibly special thing. Like all the things he's been through, doesn't make sense that he should have still such a beautiful instrument. Even people who take such good care of their voices, you know, by the time they reach their 50s, the high notes have gone, it's a little more gravelly, they don't have the same flexibility. So uh, I think if there's one takeaway for me, it's that, that, you know, no matter what, someone might have been through in their life there's a part of them and in this case this man's voice that no one can touch mike marshall wants to make more music some original stuff and some covers including a brand new version of the alphabet song a b c d e f g h i j k l m n o p q r s t u v Chloe Veltman covers art and culture for KQED. I'm Devin Kadiyama. That's it for The Bay. Talk to you Wednesday. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. 
I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on the Bay Curious podcast. And I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get the Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading. Hi there. I'm Randa Dilfetah from Throughline. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast.